Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through the Lawyerist Lab and Accelerator. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast host. Hi, I'm Laura Briggs. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 306 of The Lawyer's Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. In today's episode, I'm talking with Bernadette Harris, our newest lab coach, about all the things finance. She's going to share three numbers that you should be paying attention to in your business. Today's podcast is brought to you by Knackley, Back Office Betty's, Law Pay, and Text Expander. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later on. So, Laura, it occurred to me that our listeners have been hearing a lot of voices on the podcast recently. Um, obviously, the two of us, but then also Mary Ellen and Zach and now Bernadette, and we've had Kelly on. And maybe a lot of people don't know what all that means and how all these experts fit into the lawyerist family. Yeah, I think we've been growing our team behind the scenes, kind of recognizing where there's opportunities to tap into greater expertise. So we've both kind of grown that on the employee side and then also worked with some contractors and outside experts to really bring the value, not just to our team, but also to the lawyerist lab community. So let's talk a little bit about what does it mean to really say that they are lab coaches? Because all of the people that you named, I'm also one what what does it mean to be a lab coach? Yeah, great question. People kind of think about it in different ways, but I'm going to shake up the definition a little bit differently <laughs> today because this is where I'm trying to press all of our coaches to go. You know, we, people say, oh, it's like a personal trainer for your business. You know, there's that horrible term out there. I, some people think it's horrible, that idea of a life coach. Somebody asked me the other day, they were like, are you just going to oh. ask me big questions about my life? And I was like, unless you want me to. I'm not very good at that. Um, right. Where I'm kind of heading with things and how I think people should think about coaching is that we're here to really help like push you and roll up the sleeves and get stuff done for your business. I almost said a curse word, Sam Glover. He'd be honored. (laughs) (laughs) I love that idea, though, because it's true. I think there sometimes gets this misconception around the word coach of like what that actually means. And I think the way that we do it at Lawyerist, it looks a little bit different. And so we're there to help push you and implement the materials that you're learning in Lawyerist Lab, but there's also times when we're really digging into things that are specific to your individual business, right? So we get on calls and someone's like, hey, I'm stuck on this particular thing. I don't know how to implement it. And sometimes we give tough love, right? Sometimes we say, okay, what is the point of this project that you're working on? And do you really have the team members in place to execute on it? Is this a top priority? And I think that kind of stuff can be just as helpful as having someone cheer you on when you say, I'm going to go do X, Y, Z and have them go, great, I'm in your corner. I'll be here. Like, here's how we map it out and make you complete it. So I think the way that our coaches come to the table is very strategically. Yeah. And sometimes you do need that sounding board and and telling the thing to me, people will be like, huh, I'm saying that out loud and now it doesn't make sense. And I'll be like, yeah, like, let's explore that. So, so certainly that's part of our role. 
But what I'm enjoying that I've been doing a lot lately is really people turn in homework to me, believe it or not, like, hey, here's the strategy that I'm working on. This is what I want my business to look like. And then I we can really use that blueprint to dig in and be like, what would this look like? How would this, what would we need to do? What steps would we need to take? And is this realistic? Is this really where you want to go? Or like on the finances, we have Bernadette, who you're going to hear from today, and we're going to, she's going to dig in deep on some financial reports, but she'll actually look at people's financial statements and use that. And I do too. I do this in a lot of our big picture strategic coaching where it's like, okay, you say you want to grow your firm by 20%. Well, what does that really mean? And what does that look like in a tangible way? How do we get there? And so it's a very individualistic approach for each person because it's really about meeting that person where they are and what they need. Yeah. And I feel like getting access to all of these different types of coaches allows our lab members to narrow in where they are at. What is the thing they are working on right now and how can they leverage the expertise of these different people to accomplish things? So we both show up on group coaching calls and group events where everyone from lab is there and we do breakout rooms and talk about specific things during those days. And then we also do some individualized coaching support where we're getting on calls to talk about something specific. So some of my calls end up being about someone making that final decision on their marketing strategy strategy or they send me a piece of copy that they're like, does this look good for me to launch a Facebook ad with? And we get on the call and talk about why it works or maybe how it could be tweaked to be even more effective. And like you said, with the homework, those are some of my favorite things to talk about because it's really, once you get those core building blocks in place, that's really where the rubber hits the road and you're executing stuff. And I think it's really exciting for people to realize sometimes how much easier and faster it is to execute when you've just got someone either pushing back on you or giving you that thumbs up along the way to help you get closer to the point of execution on these projects. And I think we've seen some labsters do some really cool things this year, some big projects, some rebranding, some fully automating their firm because they've had access to things like those coaches behind the scenes. Yeah. So before we break, because we said all their names, but I don't think I said actually what, what they do. So if it's not clear, like I'm Stephanie and I work a lot on firm strategy and I mean, really a lot of different things. I'm, I kind of tell myself, like I'm like the, the jack of all trades coach, <laughs> There you go. but yeah. I really love, I'm digging in really a lot with folks right when they join and making sure they have that solid foundation with, with their strategic plan and their goals and their vision and understanding how all those pieces fit together. You are obviously one of our uh, marketing experts and can fill a couple of different roles with people. So you're helping people with their um, strategic marketing plans. But you also have this great experience and expertise around hiring freelance workers and delegating and figuring out how to fill the team out with those with, with extra outside help. And so I know that you've done great work with Labsters on that. Mary Ellen is on our team and she helps people figure out what it means to have a remote workplace. And by the way, we brought her on before the pandemics because <laughs> we've been pushing you guys for this for a long time. Yes. But you know, when you do go remote, it not only requires different things for your team culture, but also like tools and how you communicate and how you process your work. And so she can help you think through all of that and also think through how you hire best in a remote team environment. And, and even if you don't have a fully remote team or don't plan on keeping a fully remote team post pandemic, a lot of these concepts, you know, still are going to be applicable. 
Zach, who you've heard on the podcast, is our legal tech advisor, and he's digging in, helping people think about their tech stack, like what they have in place now, how all the tools work together. Maybe there's a thing that you're trying to solve, and he's going to help you figure out how you can use your existing technology to solve that, which I love. So we're not just about going out and buying new things, but what do you have that already works, or how can you tweak something in your process to make two things work together better? (laughs) And then we've got Kelly that we've added to the team. Also um, has done remote teamwork. She's also done all the high-end strategy work. And you might remember that Kelly has a lot of experience with legal marketing. So, you know, she's also kind of filling in lots of different roles for us on the team and helping people in different areas of their firm. And then today you're going to meet Bernadette. I had an awesome time hanging out with her when we recorded this. And um, you can see how giddy we both get over finances. And so we brought Bernadette to the team. She's a perfect addition because um, she's a CPA. She's a forensic accountant. She actually teaches at a school. She talks about this, like she teaches um, creatives and musicians how to think about their numbers, which is when I was like, yes, that's what we need. (laughs) Because if you can do that, Mm -hmm. like that's what we need is to be able to help you boil down and understand your numbers as a business owner in a way that you can actually use it to move your business forward. And so Super excited to have her as our newest addition, and you'll and you're gonna hear from her in just a few minutes. And I love that you go through all of that, and it's like bam, bam, bam. So like, no matter where you're at with your law firm, we've got you. We've got experts in pretty much every category to help you execute things, brainstorm things, map out what you're completing inside Lawyerist Lab. So now we've got a brief sponsored conversation with Kim from Knackley, and then Stephanie's conversation with Bernadette. Hi, I'm Zach Glazer. I'm the legal tech analyst here at Lawyerist. And I'm Kim Mayberry, and I'm the CEO of Knackley, a document automation company. Kim, thanks for joining us today. And we are obviously talking document assembly and document automation. For those firms that aren't doing that yet, that aren't doing document assembly, um, what's the single best reason to start? I'd say the single best reason to start is scalability. And I define that as, you know, if you've got problems in producing your documents, you're just too slow producing your documents, or it's hard to get someone trained on how to produce documents, or you're getting excessive errors in the documents you are creating, that all stops you from scaling your practice and making it so that you can either have the vacation that you want or to see the growth in your firm that you're interested in. That's a good point. So... When people do get into automating these documents, why should they consider Knackley? I'd say the first thing is, is that with Knackley, we can grow with you. We are able to take, handle the simple documents to the complex documents. If you look at some of our competitors out there, they always butt up against this issue as you move along the, the path to more complex documents. And then the second thing would be affordability is priced right for small firms. And the third one is is uh, what we have is external interviews where you can actually start collecting data from your clients right from the website and have that information flow right into the documents. So that's actually kind of a, a thing that I hit on a lot is those those external interviews. Um, and that makes me think of integrations. Yes. So uh, obviously integrations are an important part of the small office. How well do you guys work and play with you know CRMs and law practice management software? Yeah, so... We have an open API, and that just means that we can talk to anyone. 
Uh, we've done a Zapier connection where we can send out information to and from your different systems. And then we're also starting to do direct integrations with other platforms. Like for example, right now we're working on our Clio direct integration so that we can have all the data in a seamless system go through Clio. And we'll be adding more of those direct integrations over this coming year. So in that same kind of area, um, how how difficult is it to set up Nackley into somebody's website, let's say? Super easy. So we actually handle all of that for you because we, we're web-based. So when you go through and set things up, we automatically, you can get a link, right, that you put right on your website, send your clients right through it. And based on the automation of your documents, all the information flows into questions to ask your clients. Okay. So I, I can set Nackley onto my website and kind of have an intake actually come right. directly through that and have that kick into my CRM, my law practice management system, something like that. Correct. Now, is there any issue if I, uh, now I'm not a Mac user, but if I were a Mac user, is there any issue with using Nackley and uh, Macs? No, it's great that way because that's really been a barrier over time is the Mac users don't have options for document automation. And with us, because we're cloud-based, we also, our automation process, our designer works on a Mac word and also PC word. So it really gives Mac users an option. I'd say we have probably 15 to 20% of our users are using Macs. Okay, so the, the add-in that you guys have on Microsoft Word, that's gonna work for my PC, it's gonna work for my Mac. Yep. You know, it's gonna be great there. Okay. Yes. What kind of firms do you see really benefiting from Nackley in this document automation? What we find is those firms that really want to see growth, scale their, their practice, their document-centric. So, you know, the state planning firms, the family law, the corporate law, even some litigation firms that are producing the same documents regularly, they can also benefit from it. And any other basically firm that regularly generates documents that are similar. Well, thanks, Kim. That, those sound like helpful reasons to, to use Nackley. And it looks like you guys have an ebook guide for creating some of these documents at, I believe, nackley.io forward slash scale. Yep, we do. So on that website, you can see our guide to scaling your document-based legal practice and give you the steps that you need to do in order to scale your practice. Oh, well, I think that's uh, extremely helpful. Kim, thank you for being with us today. I appreciate your, your insight. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Bernadette L. Harris, and I am a tax and forensic accountant with By the Book Accounting. Our firm has been in business since 2001, and we work with small business owners. We basically help them to get excited about their numbers. And I know that sounds crazy, but I promise you, after we listen to this episode, you'll see what I'm talking about. I love it. I love I I get excited by numbers. So that sounds fun. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I do. I, and so the, the disclaimer is, even though I am an accountant, I promise you, I'm not trying to turn you into one. Um, so, but getting excited about your numbers doesn't necessarily mean that you are an accountant. It's really about just understanding what are the numbers that you need to be trying to hit and what are the activities that you have to do to hit those numbers. Yeah, makes sense. And I want to dig into that in a second. But first, 
I want to make sure everyone knows to officially welcome you because you also are the newest member of the Lawyerist team and you've just joined us as our new financial coach in our Lawyerist Lab program. And I feel like I've been stalking you for a long time. <laughs> like it, was a long, it was a long time in the making when you and I first started talking about that. Yeah. But it's finally happened yeah. and you're here. Yeah, I am so excited to be here. And it has been. It feels like, I feel like we're like, we're friends, like we're at least friends, <laughs> you know, or maybe sisters or something. But yeah, we, we've been kind of talking about this for a long time. The, the pandemic threw us off track. And then, so here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think the first time we talked, like, I don't know how long we were scheduled to talk, but you and I both were just like, ah, like, I was like, oh, I found my, my, my spirit sister. <laughs> like, I love her. Uh, kind of came back to the team and I was like, you guys, we have to work with Bernadette. She is amazing. So I'm curious, and I know you're just started and just started having financial coaching sessions with our labsters, but, um, like, how does that even look like what do you people just come to you and they're just like, ah, I don't know my numbers help. And then you just get them started. Like so it's really similar to what I do in my business. So it's like a continuation. It almost there's no um, disjointment. Like it's just a smooth thing. So it's really a session where we're kind of sitting down and just talking about what are those challenges? Right. So when you think most business owners, um, they say stuff like. I don't like numbers. Mm -hmm. I, I hate numbers. I don't want to do bookkeeping. I have a bookkeeper, you know, those kind of things. And it's really okay. You don't have to be good at math. It, you, you know, like you didn't like math in high school and you don't like it now. It's really okay. So the sessions are really around helping people to have a better relationship when it comes to their money and their numbers, just understanding what those numbers mean and what are the things that you have to do to make it happen. It's almost like, you know, like if uh, you remember being a kid and we were on a seesaw, you knew that if you kind of like pushed down then the other person went up, mm -hmm. it's just understanding that cause and effect. Like when I do this, this happens. When I do this, this happens, you know, and just understanding how that all works out in a numbers piece. Yeah. There's so many lawyers that we hear um, say things like, Oh, I don't like math. I don't like numbers. That's why I went to law school. And I think we even wrote in our book in the finance section, like, stop. If you're going to own your own business, like, honestly, you should love numbers because th that means your business is that you understand it and your business is healthy and it's making you money. And you should want to be watching those numbers and seeing how your business is doing because that's an easy way to see if your business is, is healthy. You're no longer allowed to say that anymore, lawyers. It's not that bad. Yes, absolutely. Let's please stop. And, you know, after this episode, <laughs> you have no more reasons to say that. Like, yeah, I agree. Like the numbers are the things that tell you what's going on, you know, and you need to know that part of it. If you don't want to know the numbers, if you don't want to pay attention to the numbers, you probably shouldn't own a law firm, you know, because like... <laughs> Oh, Tell I it. I that? love it. Can I say that? Yes. yes. You know. Let's say it. You can. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're going to be in business for yourself, if you're going to own your law firm, if you're going to build this thing, because you probably started your law firm because you wanted to build something that you didn't see when you may have been working for someone else. And so if you're going to do these things, 
this is also a part of it. Yeah. You have to at least be paying attention to the numbers. So right. I love it. I mean, I love being able to help people to see and kind of demystify what those numbers mean, because people think that, oh my gosh, if I love my numbers, then I'm going to turn into some accounting nerd kind of person. And <laughs> um, yeah, it's not really the case, you know, and plus I'm pretty cool. Like I'm not a nerd, you know? Yeah, you're not a you're not a nerd. So let's demystify it a little bit because I think you are onto something. Um, it's too easy. It's a cop out to say I don't love numbers, so we're no longer going to say that. But I think it's probably accurate for a lot of people that they just don't understand what it is they should even be looking at. It's confusing. I always say like, not only was there no class on how to run a business in, in most law schools, some are starting to have them now, which is, is a step forward. They certainly don't necessarily dig into like income statements and profitability models and, and all the kind of, you know, like you can get, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the numbers and the names. So if, if we were going to demystify it a little bit on today's show, could you pick one or two or three top numbers that people maybe should be paying attention to and maybe we walk through them and you can explain what they are. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the financial statements because I think just what you just said, like when people hear financial statements and when they hear balance sheet and profit and loss statement and they're thinking like, what is this? So I teach a course at a music school, which is so cool. Um, (laughs) because I get to teach like creative people how to think about their numbers and things like that. And I think lawyers sometimes fall in that category too. So let's talk about the financial statements and just what they mean. So the profit and loss, we'll start with the profit and loss statement. So the profit and loss statement is a statement that tells you how much money you made, like how much did you bill your clients? How much money actually came in from invoices that you sent to your clients? And then it tells you how much money you spent. And so if that's court fees, if that's dues and subscriptions, your lawyer is subscription, if it is advertising, if it's salaries, it lets you know how much you've spent in the various categories. Mm-hmm. And then it lets you know like what's left. So if you made more than you spent, then you have a profit. If you spent more than you made, then you have a loss. And that's the reason why it's called a profit and loss statement. And so a profit and loss statement is just that. It just basically tells you that. And when you're thinking about your business, why wouldn't you want to know how much money you've made? Yeah. How much money you've spent and how much is left. And most people don't want to know it because they don't even know. Like you said, they're they're just so overwhelmed with the numbers. And so profit and loss statement is just that, you know. So don't think about like this long, super long paragraph of what a profit and loss statement is. It just tells you how much money you've made, how much money you've spent in the various categories and what's left. And of course, if you want a healthy law firm, you want your law firm to be profitable. And and we can probably get deeper and talk about like what that profitability number is. But I think in the effort of demystifying, we should just kind of keep it basic. Yeah. So that's a profit and loss statement. And it's usually over a period of time, right? So my non-accounting example to explain to someone like a profit and loss statement, profit and loss statement is over a period of time. So sometimes it could be over a month's time. It could be year to date. And so I think of a profit and loss statement like a video because a video kind of covers a period of time and things kind of kind of change in that video. I think one of the things you you hit on very quickly but it's I just want to remind everyone 
a lot of times people are just scared to know this number, right? Like they just either think there's money in my account, so I must be doing okay. Yeah. I had a labster that I worked with once and she was like literally, she was terrified because she's like, what if I finally look at my my profit and loss statement and I realize I'm not doing as well as I think I'm doing. Um, and so there's a little bit of reality that comes up with some of these documents too. Luckily, once we worked through it, she was pleasantly surprised and was like, Oh, actually, yeah, I'm actually doing better than I thought. And I, I am making you know, money. <laughs> and what I tell people is like no judgment, right? It's just information that you need to know. And if you don't know how you're doing, then you don't know if you should adjust and make course corrections or, you know, you, you don't know where you are. You're just kind of lost. Yeah. And, you know, like the profit and loss statement, that's excellent. Like the profit and loss statement also lets you know the areas where you're spending money. And so if there is anything that you need to do to course correct, you can look at it and say, like, really, am I really spending that much money eating out? Like, uh, am I entertaining clients that much, you know, or, you know, am I really spending that much on advertising? And then you can also look like I'm spending X on advertising. Right. And as a result, my income has increased. And so you can see the correlation between paying for advertising and your income increasing or something like that. Or if you are networking and you're doing a lot of networking and as a result of those networking events that you're going to or meeting with potent people who can refer clients to you, as a result, you see your income increasing. It's nice to be able to see those correlations. And when you have a system in place that helps you to, you know, to kind of capture all of this information, which I use QuickBooks. And so if you have a system like QuickBooks in place to be able to see it over a historical period of time, like right back to that video, like we can see the video of what's happened this year, it really does help you to make decisions in your business. Like, and it's like going to the doctor, like, you, you know, you don't, some people don't want to go to the doctor. They don't want to get blood work. <laughs> yeah. If you're like me, you don't want to get on the scale. Um, but we have to do those things because if we don't, we could be missing out on something that we could have fixed. Yeah. I love that. It was a big mindset shift for me when I stopped looking at my expenses. You know, I used to have this mindset that I just wanted them to be as low as possible. Right. Because I thought it isn't that what everybody you want to spend is. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, no, we need to flip it a little bit and realize there's investments I don't want to spend my money on unnecessary things, but if I can, if I can spend, you know, $200 on a Facebook advertising campaign this month and it results in $15,000 of new business next month, I think I'd, I'd spend that $200 all day long, right? That's the kind of stuff we want to know. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the stuff that your profit and loss statement can tell you. It can show you when you can see like when I increase this expense, this expense also increased my income. And sometimes that happens with a team member. When you add a new team member, then you increase your capacity. And so you, you don't really think about it or you shouldn't think about it as, oh, this is just money going out. But this is this is money that's being spent that's going right. to allow me to make more money. So that's the profit and loss. And something else that you said that I just wanted to kind of come back and hammer on mm. is 
profit doesn't mean cash. Yes. And cash doesn't mean profit. So now you're probably like, what is she talking about? You know, and so, (laughs) but just because you have cash in a bank doesn't necessarily mean that you have a profit. And just because you have a profit doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have cash in the bank. Yes. And a lot of times people kind of mix that up. And especially if you don't have an accounting system in place, you are probably using your bank account to determine whether or not you can make a purchase or not. Or, you know, you kind of log in and say, hey, I got money in here. So, yeah, I can pay for that. Yes. I know someone very close to me that does that sometimes. (laughs) We're we're not calling any names. Yes. My husband. No, I'm just kidding. I use him as an example a lot and laugh. <laughs> My poor husband. If he ever meets the labsters, they're going to be like, ah. Oh. They're going to be but, looking um, at him sideways. <laughs> I know. But it's it's true. It's easy to do. Like you, I know people, too. They open their bank account and they're like, there's money in there. I can make a purchase or, I, you know, I'm doing okay. And 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 that may not be the case is, is what I hear you saying that we have to. It's better to look at some of these financial statements and understand what that's telling us. Right. The profit and loss statement is a is a really important statement. So you don't have to be like me and look at it every day. (laughs) But (laughs) Oh, that's a good point. But how often what's what is a good amount of time that you should look at that? I think that depending on what's going on in your business, like if you're a solo person, then maybe like every two weeks is fine. But if you have a lot going on in your business, I think a weekly, just a weekly check, like checking out your numbers on a weekly basis um, is not a bad idea. So just depending, like it doesn't mean that you, you know, if you have a bookkeeper, your bookkeeper is kind of keeping your stuff up to date for you and you can just go in and kind of take a look. Yes. At least twice a month, I think is a good minimum. And you said something so important because I do, I hear sometimes people say, oh, I have a bookkeeper, but they won't give me information or they won't give me their reports. And I'm like, well, who works for, like, who's the boss here? Like, (laughs) You need to establish that at the front end. And if you have a bookkeeper right now and you don't have up-to-date reports, or relatively up to date, like I get they're not going to be updating your stuff every day. But like Bernadette said, every two weeks, like that's, that's reasonable. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a conversation and ask for this. Hey, I want to see this report on this cadence. Right. And again, you don't have to spend a ton of time on it. But you want to you want to be checking in on your business. Yeah. And see, so here's the thing, like, so all of our clients, we use QuickBooks online with our clients. And we have what we call simultaneous access. So the client the business owner has access to the file and we have access to the file and we touch that file every week. And so someone on our team actually goes in and just enters their transactions for the week. And so our clients can log in and see what their numbers look like on a weekly basis. Right. But if you're working with a bookkeeper, you have someone that's doing it, do something like QuickBooks Online. Like QuickBooks Online is my thing. Like there are other softwares out there like Xero and FreshBooks. And I think even Wave is like a free version of a software. That, but they all, they're all cloud-based. Right. And they're all softwares that you can have access to along with your bookkeeper. And so if you shouldn't be waiting for reports. You should be able to log in at any time and just see what's going on. And this probably isn't our listeners, but I do come across lawyers every now and again, especially when I go out to to conferences when that was a thing um, before pandemic. I know, right? That would that. that 
Yeah, me too. That would tell me that um, they would confess and say that they maybe were just using an Excel spreadsheet to do their business accounting. And don't do that. It's so easy now. There's all the software you just named. Some of the practice management software has things built in. Guys, it's worth the money. Like save everybody a headache and just get a solution. We ha- we have a page on our site too. If you want a review, you can look at them. But yeah, yeah. It's oh my gosh, please don't use Excel. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Right, because then you have you can press a button and these reports run for you. That's the exactly. Other so that's the thing about Excel. It's like if you use Excel, most people who are using Excel, they have a bare bones knowledge of how to use Excel, and so you're using <laughs> it and you're using like the very basic features of Excel. You don't have the formulas and all of that right. to be able to do some of the things that the software can do. And trust me, like the subscription to something like QuickBooks is lunch, like yes. one day. So <laughs> you can afford it. I promise you, um, just skip lunch one day. Um, and so, yeah, and you'll be able to take care of your subscription. It's just worth it. It is worth it to be able to log in and just see this information. And I promise you, like I have clients that come to me and they're not believers, Stephanie. They're like, I say, I'm going to get you excited about your numbers. And they're like, yeah, right. And then two weeks later, they're like, oh my gosh, Bernadette, I just logged (laughs) in and I saw such and such, you know? So um, it happens when you have a system in place, you can, you can just kind of, and QuickBooks has like an amazing little dashboard that you can literally log into your dashboard and see what your profit is at a moment's glance. So you don't even have to pull a report. There you go. Well, let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsors. and we come back, we'll tackle the balance sheet. Get it right every time. Text Expander makes it easy to give your team the right words for every situation. Whether you need to keep legal happy or delight customers with effective answers, you can rest easy knowing your team has it covered. The latest version of Text Expander even has new and improved statistics reporting for organizations, including the ability to build reports with customizable date ranges for enterprise and individuals, so you can track how much time your team saves. With Text Expander, you can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current, work faster and smarter, keep the whole team communicating efficiently and with consistent language, and share your snippets of messaging, signatures, and descriptions with everyone who works on projects with you. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And Lawyerist Podcast listeners get 20% off their first year by visiting textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more. Support for today's episode comes from Back Office Betty's, the only virtual receptionist service exclusively dedicated to small law firms that offers a plan with unlimited calls. Their highly specialized service boasts customized call handling, relentlessly friendly team members, and unmatched quality. The Bettys are ready to help you grow your firm, even when you're out of the office. Visit backofficebettys.com slash lawyerist to try them out for one week free. Use the promo code podcast to receive $150 off your first month. Trust the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, LawPay, as the ability to accept payments online becomes an increasingly essential part of your practice, LawPay provides your firm with a proven and trusted solution. With LawPay, you receive a simple, secure way to accept client credit cards and e-check payments from anywhere. 
LawPay understands the unique compliance requirements placed on attorneys, which is why their solution was developed specifically to correctly separate earned and unearned fees and protect IOLTA accounts from any third-party debiting, giving you peace of mind that your transactions are always handled correctly. To learn more or to get started, visit lawpay.com lawyerist today. All right, so we're back, and I think we've said enough for now about the the profit and loss statement. So that, that was a good overview, though. Hopefully, we've convinced everyone to start looking at it at least every two weeks. And you started to tell us about the balance sheet. What do we need to know about, about that So one? the balance sheet is different from the profit and loss in that the balance sheet kind of tells us three things. It tells us what we own. And so that's the asset section of the balance sheet. And the things that you own are things like cash, which cash is cool, right? So, you know, so cash is the money that you have in the bank. Then we have things like accounts receivables, which is the money that your clients owe you. Um, And that's an asset because hopefully you have a system in place where it's coming in when it's supposed to. Um, and if it's not, you know, that's probably another conversation that we need to have. But yes. So your accounts receivables is an asset. Then you if you have any kind of investments. Um, so if your business has like maybe some mutual funds or the business owns some stocks or a couple of my clients have like brokerage accounts within their business. And so any of your investments would be considered assets. And as well as your equipment. So this is your computers, your printers, your scanners, any type of office equipment or, you know, just like fixed assets that you have in your business. Something that, think of a fixed asset as something that you don't necessarily replace every year. And so it's something that has at least a useful life of more than a year. And it's, you know, it kind of is something that you purchase to either make life easier for you or to make money for you or something like that. So the first part of the balance sheet is the assets. It tells you all of the stuff that you own. The second part of the balance sheet is the liability section. And these are the things that you owe. Um, And so this could be credit cards or it could be just invoice payments mm-hmm. that you have to make to vendors, you know, like your cell phone, your internet, things like that, your rent. These are the things that you owe, as well as if you have an IOTA account, mm. that money that you have in your IOTA account, your trust account, that's not yours, right? Um, right? And so that is also a liability. So that's going to fall in your liability section. If you have payroll taxes that you have to pay at a later date, those things kind of fall into um, the liability section. So those are the things that you owe. And the third part of the balance sheet is the equity section. And then this is kind of like the difference between the two. Um, And so once we take your assets and we subtract your liabilities, hopefully that number is positive and we come to the equity. It's like the ownership. It's almost, it's kind of like saying like, what is your business worth? Mm-hmm. And it's, it, yeah, I mean, there's more um, that goes into value, evaluating your business or coming up with a business valuation. But on a very basic level, that equity section is going to tell you that. Um, and so remember, I said that the, the profit and loss is like a video. Well, the balance sheet is the snapshot. Mm-hmm. It's a picture. 
And the reason that I like to use the picture example is because, you know, you know, you could take a picture, right? And you can put like the rabbit ears up behind somebody's ears, right? And you snap the picture and then you move your hand and your hand isn't there anymore. The balance sheet is a picture because it can literally change at any time. So if you make a deposit, then your, your cash goes up. If you write a check or you swipe your debit card, then your cash goes down. And so it's just the balances at a particular moment when you actually snap that picture, what it looks like at that moment. So, And when people are looking at their balance sheet, are there a couple things that you're like, hey, pay attention to this or this is why you're looking at it? You know, if you it just how do we approach it? Yeah. So when you're looking at your balance sheet, things that you don't want to see are negative numbers. Um, there are some exceptions like uh, the accumulated depreciation accounts can be negative, but when you see negative numbers on your balance sheet, sometimes that's a red flag of maybe my bookkeeper didn't record something right. Or maybe if you're doing your bookkeeping, maybe you didn't record something right. So that's kind of a red flag when you mm -hmm. see that really quick, funny, not funny, not <laughs> ha ha funny story, but <laughs> Um, a long time ago, before I started my practice, I did some consulting work for this small town outside of West Palm Beach in Florida, and they had um, negative $8 million in accounts payables. And so, yeah, my job was to kind of go in and figure out what the heck happened here. It didn't end up being fraud. It was just a lot of um, duplicate entries, like stuff was just entered more than once. So uh -huh. like negative numbers is usually a red flag. Like that something is wrong. Something happened that shouldn't have happened. Um, the other thing that I like to look at when I look at my balance sheet is I'm looking at the equity section because I want that to be positive. I want to make sure that I'm not borrowing more that I have the capacity to kind of repay. And um, so those are some of the things you won't spend as much time on your balance sheet as you will your profit and loss statement. But I do think it's something that you want to pay attention to. Yeah, you want to, um, you know, kind of take a look at that and make sure another thing for lawyers, your balance sheet, when you look at your balance sheet with your IOTA account, the amount that's in your bank account, your trust account should match the liability account. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, Yes, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. Everybody I know is like, I'm, you know, I just talked to someone who was starting his firm and he was like scared to death of Sayol to account. And I was like, Yeah, it's so like you don't you don't want those kind of problems. Right. And I was like, if you if you do it properly, you know, just <laughs> track your stuff. It'll be okay. Like it's, you know, again, that's where software is a big help, but that's a good good to know. Yes, you want your IL to account to be taken care of. And then you also mentioned you can see your AR here, or I guess you can also just run an AR report to see who owes you money and how much. And it feels like a lot of lawyers, I always ask them when I first start working with them where they are in AR, because so, this is an area that a lot of people struggle with and we got to get paid. Yeah. And so that's also why you want to use a software as opposed to creating your invoice in Word or something else. And then you have to track it in the Excel spreadsheet. Oh my gosh, you're just creating so much stress for yourself. Um, and so if you create your invoices in QuickBooks, you can, there's automation that can say, like remind this client, like, hey, dude, you still haven't paid me, you know, in a very professional way, of course. Right. Um, but, you know, so it can help you to track that because a lot of times, like you said, lawyers don't want, 
they don't want to be bill collectors. Listen, I don't want to be a bill collector um, in my business. But at the same time, I do sometimes, sometimes people need to be reminded that they didn't take care of that invoice. And so having a software that can, you can be able to pull a report and say, hey, these three people are 30 days past due. Let me have somebody give them a call or shoot them an email or send them a reminder because maybe they just forgot. Yeah. And so balance sheet, we're not going to spend quite as much time on, you said, is it the same cadence? Do we look at it on, at the same time as the P&L? Yeah, I think that's a good idea um, to take a look at it. Yeah. And so looking at how much cash you have on hand is, is a good thing. Now we're not looking at our balance sheet to see if we can spend money, but understanding like how much cash is on hand and you, I think as your business grows, you want to get to the point where you understand how much cash do you want to always have on hand? Right. When that number drops below that point, you're not freaking out, but you are taking a look to see what happened. Exactly. I'm sure you'll agree with this. When the pandemic first started, you know, we were talking a lot about how do we get ready, our business ready to survive this? Because because I was really nervous about, you know, what's the economic impact of this shutdown going to be? And And we're still in it. I mean, as we're recording this, you know, the market had a good day yesterday, but I mean, there's still a lot of uncertainty in our economy right now and unemployment rates and the pandemic and things are starting to shut back down. I mean, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. And so one of the things we were advising lawyers is you, you really, this is when cash becomes really important and understanding how much cash you have on hand. And ideally you want to, if you can have a couple of months available that's going to allow you to weather potential, you know, fluctuations because because your business may be getting impacted. Absolutely. And so when we talk about this, now we're, now we're getting sophisticated, Stephanie. Oh. So we're telling them to have <laughs> cash on hand for three months, right? Yeah. And if you don't know what your, your expenses are for a month, then how do you know what that three-month number is? So we've kind of come full circle and talked about why it is so important to be paying attention to those numbers because now you know. I know what what I spend on a monthly basis, what it is in in payroll, what my payroll expenses are, what my other expenses are. And so I know that I have to have this amount of money every single month to be able to just pay the basic stuff. Um, Not to mention if something extra comes along or there's an opportunity for you to advertise in some whatever that's going to bring in X number of dollars. Those things are beyond that. But yeah, it's so important to understand where your money is going and how much you need to have. So like you said, you can you can kind of project your cash needs and know that I need to have X number of dollars on hand if I want to have three months. Right. If you're listening, don't freak out, but we have kind of moved into the next level of things, but this is where it gets excited. This is where it gets exciting and fun, right? Because then you start looking at things and you're, I mean, I've worked with some labsters recently and we started looking at how much are they spending on salary specific to, you know, vis-a-vis their income. And we don't have to get into that on this call, but I just want you guys to hear and know that it is fun. This is information that you need. Yeah. And these are, like you said, these are the levers. When you when you have this information, then you start pulling these fun levers. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can do this thing and it impacts my business positively here. Right. Or now I have a direction and I know what I'm shooting for. I need three months cash. I don't have it yet, 
but now I have a plan on how I'm going to get it. And that's right. That's where the excitement really comes is, is the confidence because I think so much of the fear and uncertainty, um, gosh, I mean, like my husband and I both have been small business owners for a long time. And so I'm there, you guys, like I've had the sleepless nights and a lot of the worry does come from that uncertainty and, you know, and so at least again, having that uh, approach your fear, right? Overcome your fear and start to get that knowledge. Then you can start making a plan and making good decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And then you can start making decisions like about, do I need to borrow? If I do, how much? And uh, see, because a lot of times when people go to lenders, they don't even know how much money they need. They're, they're just like, hey, can you give me a loan? And the bank is is asking, how much do you need? And you're like, how much can you give me? You know? <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. And so a lot of times, you know, you don't know what you need as far as getting a loan. And when you get that loan, now what do you do with the money? Like, is this money that you're getting so that you can have those three months? Or is this money that you're getting so you, you can invest in a new employee or you can invest in a new advertising source? You know, you kind of have to have a plan for that. But again, it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning of the episode, how when you understand your numbers and you're paying attention to your numbers, then all of that stuff starts to make sense. Yes. Yes. I love it. Well, obviously there's a a lot we could uncover here that we're just scratching the surface. I think we we did a good job of at least demystifying two of your basic financial statements for today. So that probably feels like a good start. Luckily, you're on the team, so we're going to have you back. <laughs> we can, yeah, we yeah. can do the next I, level stuff the next time. We have a lot to cover. Yeah, we do. And and it is. I'm just sitting here thinking like, yeah, can we could talk about this. And we talk about <laughs> we're not, we're, so we're not going to overwhelm you because we know that we started out this podcast thinking like, oh, we're going to get you excited and you're already, you came in doubting us. So we're just going to kind of leave it like we feel like I feel accomplished. You feel accomplished? I do. I think we've we've opened up the possibilities yeah. like this is fun, people. Um, come hang out with us and we'll talk numbers more. Yeah, you need to come sit at the cool kids table like we're we're over here crunching numbers and it is so cool. I love it. We're not the accounting nerds. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm I'm like I have no formal accounting training, but I call myself a self-proclaimed. I'm in the club as an honorary member because I love it, and I'm like, this is fun and fascinating and exciting. So. Yeah, yeah, you're at the cool kids table too. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, well, thank you for being with us today. Um, so excited, as you can tell, that you're on the team, that you're helping us and providing this much-needed financial coaching to our labsters. And um, I'm just super excited to start working with you more. So thank you. Yeah, me too. I'm, I can't wait. I have I have like three or four coaching calls scheduled for next week. And I just like, I can't wait. Yeah, so <laughs> this is exciting for me as well. So I'm just, I'm grateful to be a part of the team. This is, I feel like I'm living a dream. Like I really get to help people to understand their numbers and kind of take their businesses to the next level. So that's so cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Bernadette. We'll talk soon. Yes. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Christopher Eng. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, 
If you haven't read The Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com community lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by their participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Oh,